0: Hey, Scaredy Cats, believe it or not, it's been one year since we've started this podcast. So, we're having a special one year anniversary episode and we want to hear from you. So, we've made a little survey. You can find the link to it on our Instagram page. That's text Chris Stavesaw all one word, lowercase, on Instagram. And we're just asking three simple questions from you. What horror movie you'd like us to do, questions you've always wanted to ask us, and what you think we can do to improve the podcast. So please be a part of our special one-year anniversary episode. Head over to the Instagram. Thanks so
1: much. Give us your feedback. Demons, ghosts outside Screaming, you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside
0: You also watched The Mist this past week, which is I'm excited to hear back from because I haven't checked it out yet, and The Mist, another Stephen King adaptation. Tis the year
1: of, isn't it? Yeah, it, and finally we're watching a movie today, Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game. But yeah, report back on The Mist first. I have seen episode one of The Mist out of ten mm-hmm. of the first season, um, which I don't believe was picked up for a second. Canceled. Canceled. It's done. Um, it's so bad. Really? That yeah, bad? It's bad. Um, it's terribly written. Um, there's no subtlety, no buildup. It has nothing in common with the original. Mm. Um, people are just kind of, the, the, uh, the effects are terrible. It's all like CGI gore and it's nonsense. And you'd expect that the budget would be in the, the, intro episode yeah and there's nothing it's just like the mist just rolls in on a soldier and he's crazy for the rest of the time locked in prison the mist the mist i don't know who i am you know it's it terribly terribly written it's just grates against the ears trying to watch nothing interesting happened the, the mist just rolls in so the one potential positive that the show has is that they just throw them right into the misty apocalypse it just rolls over the whole town and everyone's everyone's just like, what's going on now? And then you see a few people run up to like a glass window all bloody or whatever. And right. everyone's like, ah, and that's it. So it doesn't really add anything new or exciting. Not at least at what all. you could tell from that first episode. No. And they don't even capture like what's great about the mist. You right. know, like they just shoehorned the mist onto the world as fast as they possibly could. Mm. And from there, let's see what happens. So I suggested to Jody that what we do after watching episode one, which neither of us liked. And we both love the movie. Um, I suggested, like, let's just hop into, like, episode seven or eight and see if... See where they're at. See if they're throwing money at it or if, like, it builds to a point that's worth watching. Mm -hmm. Um, So we haven't done that yet. And we we might... um, There's this other show we love, Star Trek Discovery. Um, Star Trek fans are neither here nor there on what they're going to think. But if you just want a really good action sci-fi show, it's gorgeous. And I'm hooked. It's not, like... Original Star Trek, as I understand it, or as fans may understand it, but it is a fantastic Space Game of Thrones. That's all I'm going to say. Space Game of Thrones. That's what I call it so far, yeah. Cool. I like that. Interesting, yeah. Um, And it's got a couple, uh, just a couple little horror elements, especially in Episode 3. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I would highly recommend it, and... We've just talked about too many shows and we got to do what we're doing today. So I'll stop talking about it, but check it out. And maybe next week you'll hear more if you yeah, like it. That's great. I mean, you're the only positive review I've heard <laughs> from it. So that, that does at least give it a little bit more buoyancy where
0: I had no intention of checking it out after hearing bad things from everyone else. But now maybe I'm curious enough to
1: give it a little, a little peek. It's worth it. Better than the mist, at least. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh my god, the mist must have cost them thirty dollars for a fucking smoke machine. It's just <laughs> and just blast it nonstop. Yeah, and just a bunch of actors who volunteered to be on who don't know what they're doing. It's just put horrible. ketchup on your face. Bring your own ketchup, <laughs> please, there's, and show up. There's even a, a scene. I'm just gonna fucking say it, I don't care. Where um, a woman walks out of the mist up to like almost like the original uh, the movie. Yeah. She walks up to the glass, the front glass of a thing, after having walked out into the mist, and she's got no lower jaw. It looks terrible in CGI, but that's what happens, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, it's horrific." Where's her jaw? Yeah, and that's it. That's the scary thing. You don't see any monster or anything, and yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the highest hopes. But... Oh, it's uh, that first episode. Of... Because like, does it go up in quality from there? Like, they're like, "No, we'll save our money till later." You know? No, they must I have see. kind of thought that was. a You're
0: good. always acutely aware and thinking about budgets when it comes to tv shows like you're watching episodes even when we were talking about game of thrones you're always like well oh, this is kind of a cheap episode so you know the next one they're gonna that's where they're gonna spend their money
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean that has to be part of your your thought process if you're trying to really really be predictive about what you're gonna see you know um, and that that really comes into play for for us right. when we're watching these movies it's just a muscle that i flex like well, how why would they have done it this way you know what are they saving their money for or why are they spending it so much here is that because they're gonna bullshit us later you know it's 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 all their goddamn commodity the commodities that they have on set you know you can you can see where they spend it so moving on to <laughs> <laughs> i'm all ornery now because of the mist back to stephen
0: kang stories Gerald's game was one that Mike Flanagan apparently had in his backpack as soon as he started taking meetings with different studio execs about different future projects because every time a studio head would say to him, like, oh, well, what, what do you have coming down the pipe? Like, what is your next big thing or what do you want to do? He would always pull out the copy of Gerald's, bo- Gerald's game that he had on him mm-hmm. and say, this is the book that I want to adapt And the unadaptable Gerald's game. Yes. As he would go into detail a little bit more, it would become clear to everyone, including he had his own doubts about whether or not this movie could be adapted because it's such a crazy premise. Just Mm -hmm. this woman who's tied to a bed the whole time and everything that's happening to her is still happening in spite of her just being locked in one set the whole time.
1: Yeah. It reminds me in like in concept alone or like pitch alone, like with that movie phone booth. Mm. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. Colin Farrell, going yeah. back to him. Yeah. We were talking about him a little bit earlier. He's just in that phone booth the whole time talking to Kiefer Sutherland. Exactly. He's just in there the whole time. And I remember hearing about that. I'm like, how could you fucking yeah. be in a phone booth the whole movie? And it was pretty good. Yeah, I can't I
0: can remember. That came out a while ago now. But yeah, I think this one's going to get a little more surrealistic. I think shit's oh, going to... Sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's and a very shitty People connection. have been speaking so highly about it. Mm-hmm. And talking about it is if it's Mike Flanagan's best. I'm so excited. I mean, Flanagan, Flanagan and Jeff Howard. Direct- yeah, he is the director that we have watched the most on this podcast. This is our fourth one that we've done of an episode <laughs> of his, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, it really speaks to his yeah his caliber. I suppose. Yeah, he's so good, and especially functioning in the duo that is Jeff Howard and Mike Flanagan.
0: So he took a bunch of meetings and kept trying to get people to get on board with him to do make this movie. And even I heard in his interview with Mick Garris, Mick Garris said the same thing, who's been a horror director for way longer. He's been around (laughs) since the 80s. -hmm. And he said, no, Gerald's Game is something that I've also been trying to adapt for so long. And I could not get anyone to allow me to make Uh, it. No one would get on board. So what finally happened was Hush was such a breakaway success for Mike Flanagan on Netflix a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. that when they had that meeting, that was the one that finally convinced netflix to say yes we will give you the money to make gerald's game awesome. because you've kind of demonstrated it a little bit in hush where hush is a center female character and a very limited scope and concept so yeah. gerald's game is just going to be a little bit of that and if yeah. you made it work here then you're probably going to be able to pull this off as crazy of an idea as it is
1: sure yeah like the the hearing impaired unable to speak that is hugely limiting for filmmaking it's
0: a restricted
1: female character yeah. at the center of a movie so and,
0: that was enough of a proof of concept to get and netflix has just so much cash that they can afford to yeah. take
1: the risk regardless yeah fuck it <laughs> why not because they're i mean um the miss was netflix right um not originally but i think netflix then paid for it and threw it on
0: and threw their stamp of netflix original on it is that it's one of those okay. yeah yeah because i was a bit i, bl- I was about I to say
1: fx originally but you're i think you're absolutely right because i was gonna say like that's they're showing some chinks in the armor so i'm like we have spread ourselves kind of thin in terms of like just throwing money at projects. Oh yeah. There's so many good shows that are Netflix originals that are showing like, Oh, Netflix just can't fail. Mm -hmm. And you watch like the mist and like, there it is. No, you're gonna, yeah. All like no studio or network is immune from having some duds.
0: Mm hmm. It's just that with um, with Netflix, they just kind of get buried, and they'll make them less visible. It seems they'll like, give yeah. them a shot, and then once they don't work out, yeah, it's just as if they never really existed. They've got
1: full control over their exposure. Yeah. yeah, and
0: then other ones that you think should be total duds end up just being so huge. Like apparently, the ranch is just a huge, hugely lucrative thing for nec- for Netflix wow. or hugely watch thing. I should because no individual show is necessarily lucrative. Yeah, they're all just, just there um fuller house has like three seasons now which is insane to me wow the reboot of full house is on its, it's third just season killing
1: it will and grace <laughs> will be back i wonder if they'll do the same thing yeah man yeah apparently this is a little this is a bit of a tangent let's go for it let's watch this movie <laughs> Chris, no more tv tangents no more tangents about tv we've got to cut ourselves off at some point we are about to watch gerald's game it's gonna be exciting let's just fucking jump right in
0: yeah let's do it let's watch this movie we've been so pumped for so long and
1: now we're finally watching it hell yeah it's time uh here we go Scary cats cue the chainsaw noise
0: wow I feel very affected by this movie yeah like I feel like I'm I'm just in a place and I just it's like you don't even want to jump in a conversation I just want to kind of remain in the vibes of that film for a little while longer yeah I
1: feel somber I don't feel like making a bunch of jokes yeah I feel like sitting here in reverence for a few minutes and going oh yeah I had
0: similar feelings and I think this is most comparable to Before I Wake out of all of his films yeah that's what I was thinking yeah
1: yeah it's uh it's one of those um social commentaries on dr- on trauma uh, the Social Traumentaries. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you
0: just did it, man.
1: <laughs> Woo! Bam. Oh, that feels good. Traumentary.
0: I'll high-five that. <sniffs> and so it was a traumatary. <laughs> Absolutely. And, like, just so dramatic. And you still, like, definitely a horror movie. There's some mm-hmm. incredible gore scenes. There's some incredibly creepy scenes. Um, so that would prevent, like, just the standard... Uh, moviegoer from maybe wanting to check this out, but like these are such great, great films. Yeah, like this and Before I Wake is—it's like, just such a unique. I found he's really getting
1: into his special groove with these yeah. two films. You he, know, he's really making a, a very specific case for what he he can present, yeah. and I should—and the two of them. Like because Jeff Howard wrote uh, before I wake too, right? He was right. Dramatic. Yeah, the
0: two the two of them have created these this very like Flanagan Howard esque type of movie with these two, like even traumatary <laughs> the traumatary <laughs> the
1: uh, Yeah, they it's social um, traumatary social traumentary. Um Like Oculus
0: and and Hush and um, what else we got? The Ouija sequel, mm-hmm. like those, and maybe if we go back, we will see things that are definitely elements of them. I'm sure that's impossible, but those are impossible not to identify. But those movies still feel like they could be made by other directors. Like, they're really well-done yeah. movies. Whereas this is, like, it's such a
1: flair that's uniquely their own. Yeah, it's a real, like, um, by the end of the you watched a horror movie for an hour and whatever, an mm-hmm. hour and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that what it's actually, it's saying something else. it have got incredible messages. And yeah. It's an incredible statement yeah, that this, they're making. I think this one, a little less of the, like... Th- The whole movie was sort of alluding to the fact that this is about dealing with a childhood trauma that was, you know, that had lain dormant otherwise. Yeah. Um, That was revealed a lot earlier in the movie than I think in Before I Wake. That was like, you you figure out the last minute it was cancer and you figure it all out. Right. But in in this one, you're kind of, it's basically, that's like the mission statement. Mm-hmm. And then they fill it in. You know, yeah. they start coloring it in exactly what happened, exactly what brought her to this place and right. what yeah. she's dealing with. But then with that one little twist of there was a physical person involved that was actually made that.
0: Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then they carried it a little further just to make the grander statement that mm-hmm. like, these monsters aren't like aren't fake things that you're imagining. Like there yeah. are monsters in the world, and we have to face them head on in order to deal with them, and in order to arrive at a place where the sun can shine again. Yeah, he said
1: it was really um, it was showing like her her triumph over that darkness, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it it really adds to it the fact that part of that. Wasn't just her coming to terms with her demons in the past, but there was a real corpse eating, yeah, criminal, is
2: crazy, with a physical about. deformity, <laughs> like, who was in the dark corner.
0: You're yeah. already like relieved and in the safe place as a viewer watching the movie when all of a sudden they reveal that oh no, there's actually a, a there was a person in the
1: room that was staring at her. Yeah, <laughs> it, it all with that footprint that was like right that was just like the one little offshoot of the story. Yeah, you know, it's like it was okay, still like with just that footprint, I was yeah. like oh maybe there's some other reason for it. Like, yeah, yeah. What is that a metaphor for? No, single footprint yeah yeah but no that was a very mm-hmm. that was the connection to the physical real world
0: yeah and yeah. just such amazing parallels drawn between those three kind of figures of uh, individuals that are kind of capturing her or handcuffing her in a certain way her mm-hmm. father and the secret her husband and their kind of marriage where it's ended up at and also his weird rapey fantasies that are yeah. I- insanely triggering and traumatic for her to have to deal with and go through it a marriage that's already kind of at the end of its rope it seems like mm-hmm. and then this creepy ass dude who's just in the corner of the room
1: yeah and it's <laughs> like and then like the manifested version of her husband's like yeah that's death coming for you and that like gives her a real yeah. Fear throughout the the movie is that like the natural causes of what you're going through is bringing you closer and closer to death, and he's coming for you tonight. Yeah, it put a real like you knew that she had like three days, and that when she was sleeping, it was almost like a nighttime sequence, and that like one of those three chances had elapsed. Yeah, basically, um, and so it was getting to the point it was like yeah, he'll come at night for you because you know you're on your way out, and so it was completely metaphorical this monster that she was seeing, but it also was a very real threat. Yeah um yeah god that was that was really good that was i kind of just like you i was like rolling back and forth as they were doing that little um outro
0: yeah because normally something like that would just be infuriate me like if you're adding extra (laughs) exposition and just spoon feeding it yeah but it's just it's so well written the clearly the source material is just uh, fantastic and Mm -hmm. they're really mining it and presenting it so well that it just like when yeah when she started talking and doing the Post incident voiceover stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, where is this going to go? But it was like a full twenty minutes that really just brought everything together, yeah. everything that had happened, the whole history of this person, and showed her arriving at this much better place.
1: Yeah, and like it, it also served for um, audience members like me who kind of need to like, what fucking exactly happened? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know it really yeah. served to go like, but you want to know something? Yeah. There was a real guy who was really standing there, and you kind of go like, oh my god. And I'm sure
0: I'm sure lots of other Stephen King stories have just so much more ambiguity and leave things way open. But when he's dealing with this topic of trauma and uh, child abuse, he wants to leave no loose ends. He wants everything to be kind of crystal clear and delivered. And yeah. it's so satisfying that it does in this circumstance mm-hmm.
1: yeah it, it, wow really really poignant yeah the way that those messages were, were delivered
0: so the movie kind of like just going back to that whole scene where there's just like four of them in the room together which is oh, so that's cool. awesome so that's really kind of like the first act of the movie and then it really pivots once we go back to her childhood and then we mm-hmm. get to really see what's actually going on what this whole thing's about but for the first when he, half when hour, he calls her mouse that's yes. where it, that's mouse the, the, is the, the, the inciting yeah. inciting incident but that whole like first first half hour is just so exciting and so fascinating having like the different versions of herself that are like yeah. encouraging her and taunting her. All yeah. those voices manifested as just other physical versions of herself. So cool.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is something that our listeners do, but if you like listen to these episodes, sometimes even if you haven't seen the movie, this is one that I highly recommend watching before you hear what we t- what we say, because um, so leave now. Okay, so all those people are gone. Um, so, if you know what happens, like this is really a cross section of a human person's like thought process as they die. Like that's kind of like or, or as they die and experience the fear that comes with, you know, you're on your way out and, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing happening. If you don't do it yourself, no no one's going to save you kind of thing. So she was just spending this time like losing blood, not having anything to eat, having minimal like water in her system, mm-hmm. like falling asleep, waking up, tremendous pain in her hands, you know, like those sorts of things. And she's lost her mind, you know, because of the inciting incident. And that just goes down and down. And so her fears like, you know, are more and more explored. Not knowing that from the get-go, not knowing that she's going to be, like, sort of opening up this folder that was, you know, the photo book of her, you know, trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, not knowing that, seeing her reaction, how scared she was, and how, like, the different iterations of herself and her husband in her own head were, like, telling her different things and reminding her of things that she didn't consciously remember, that, like each iteration had its own like sort of character almost but that all makes so much sense if you know where it's going and know where like this whole thing is like you know winding up towards yeah Uh, it's a fascinating look at like human nature even outside of where it's going towards i think just on its own it's such a cool idea to oh when you're
0: in like a tense situation like you're trapped to a bed when your mind is kind of going through okay how do i deal with this because they appear pretty much right away so mm-hmm. it's like I think it's less that she's Delirious and to a point of death and more of just It's an ins- insanely cool way To represent these are all the
1: different Sides of your brain yeah. that are going through and trying To deal with the situation it's... and at the
0: same time Reflect on your marriage and
1: Yeah and they're like they're they're versions of Yourself I suppose that aren't like sugarcoating things because you're dealing with crisis and Like the versions of yourself kind of want you to survive And the versions of other people are all like Who gives a shit if you die- live or die I'll Say all the most traumatic stuff that you're not afraid Of hearing yeah because that's the way that my suffering brain you know manifests there's you. no
0: filters but you you're right there but, are like different versions of them like you have the version of herself that's kind of taunting mm-hmm. and being like you just kind of went along with this marriage for so long you knew yeah. that things weren't working out and then the version of her that's encouraging saying like you need to get that water don't drink it all like mm-hmm. tilt the thing be very careful yeah
1: and then and, the version of her husband that's saying like it's not gonna work yeah. you're not you're never gonna get out of this well he's saying stuff like you know like who's gonna come i probably like did all this stuff and like that almost seems like there's a, a way to interpret that as sloppy writing like why would he just say all the things that are on his mind? It's like, no, she's an incredibly intuitive person who who takes, like, the intentions of the people around him. It's like... I probably sent like yeah she's going for through my sexy what, weekend this is what yeah. my this is what he would
0: have done he stocked yeah. up the fridge so clearly he would have made the preparations I saw yeah. that the lawn was cut so clearly he organized that ahead yeah. of time we saw earlier that those neighbors aren't going to come till June yeah like she's just they r- won't be r- there till June and I send and them him through away. everything
1: putting to forth the logic of from his perspective like that's the most fucking intuitive it's thing in the world so cool like that's one of my favorite parts in the movie just like listening to her own projected breakdown of what's probably going on mm-hmm. it's like here's a more sliver of yourself. It's such a like rational
0: person way to break it down like okay let's put all these characters out lay it out in front of me visually they'll talk me through this.
1: Yeah and that being said like the versions of her husband who are taunting her saying she was going to die was a version of herself trying to keep her alive like that's so fucking interesting. Yeah like so that's why I wanted to send away people who hadn't listened to or hadn't watched the movie yet um, is because I mean you're probably still here listening Um, because like knowing that that's what you're in for uh, that's what makes me want to watch it a second time is right off the bat is like, I want to watch her knowing exactly what happens. Mm, Yeah. I want to see like what her brain is aware of in this time of crisis. Like, you know, after five hours, her brain suddenly kicks into like, here are the facts and here's the logic and Mm -hmm. get to work but like, the then the, right when we go into the flashback then it's just a major zoom out it's yeah, no
2: longer about we, like we get oh, a broken
0: marriage and she has to somehow survive mm-hmm. we get to like learn way more about this character yeah. the history of this marriage what her husband now kind of represents for her like her husband um and they clearly bring up the fact that so many of his behaviors are similar to his father, yeah, to her father's, and they're both lawyers yeah, and, so th- yeah. I mean there's so much crazy psychology of dealing with trauma here. I mean, it's such an incredible, incredible story. It's crazy to think that it came out in ninety two because it seems mm-hmm. like something that someone would write today to really because now we're so much
1: more socially conscious of these things and we want to draw more attention to it. It's such a relevant story. Yeah. I wonder what, like, I mean, I said, I was going to read it before we saw the movie so that I could have maybe some sort of perspective here, but Mm -hmm. I wonder how much, you know, Jeff Howard and and Mike Flanagan really, um, modernized. Yeah. How much of this is,
0: how much of this and how much, like what, parts are artistic license and what parts aren't like how personified yeah. are
1: the people are they physical presence in the room or is it just her running through all of them in her head yeah well that yeah that's it's weird because like in a way that's what the scene in hush was like those scenes the scenes in hush with her like playing running, her the scenarios. Deaths, yeah. running out the scenarios with incredible logic and like you know very similar very yeah. minute detail like yeah they're super similar so at the end one part that the one issue that I see fans talking about with
0: this movie um is Gerald being chiseled like a rock because mm. in the story apparently he's not chiseled he's like kind of a middle-aged kind of somewhat overweight frumpy kind of guy. Yeah. And the only reason it becomes somewhat problematic for me is when they say he had a he died of a heart attack, it was a long time coming. Because there's nothing else right. in the story that said he had any kind of heart condition. Whereas if he was kind of a frumpy guy, then you could just read between the lines and say, yeah. oh, he drinks a lot of Coke and overeats yeah
1: so you, like they should have shown his high stakes job and i think some the viagra might have had something to do with it yeah
0: like, but yeah. that's not long time coming that's just, the viagra wouldn't be long time
1: coming yeah but. the job if he's like you know constantly like working getting mm-hmm. deals or whatever he's a lawyer so like he's drinking every night to like get through that whatever. yeah show, show that he's <laughs> he like an alcoholic as well yeah, something yeah. like that that's what they should have done you're totally 100 percent right that was a loose a loose missing component mm-hmm i um, like why is this like the lowest body fat index i've ever seen on a you know right 50 plus man
0: <laughs> i love too that even when she's kind of going through and dealing with the trauma afterwards um like really running through it in her brain it's still the weird uh eclipse vision where you have just kind mm-hmm. of the red red, splatter, and, black. red yeah. and
1: black splatter everywhere um yeah that was an interesting visual effect great that's so flanagan yeah you know he, he loves to kind of turn like turn the tables on the whole the entirety of, of the image Right, you know, that, that that was awesome. Right, I
0: guess before I wake has similar kinds of things. Right,
1: yeah, it's got the kind of. Th- I think we would be seeing like the yellow and orange um, of the butterflies flying around, yeah, which yeah, yeah. indicate that some dark thing was about to happen, mm-hmm. and then that would turn into the dark black moths. Yes, yes, and the shadows and they just kind would of, come of fill down. the whole frame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, love it! Um, it was great, it was just so good, and how creepy that guy, that monster guy, was. And like for me personally, when I'm dealing with a movie that doesn't have. A tangible threat and it's somebody's own demons that they're battling internally mm-hmm. um i it's not that i lose interest but i kind of go like i wonder what will happen rather than like oh my god <laughs> oh my god you know like i don't feel like very threatened i'm just curious right um and in this one i had that feeling for most of the time because i'm like yeah this guy is just he's the manifestation of death which she's scared of that's coming for her unless she does something about her situation yeah. it's the it's the potential threat is this image that her brain is manifesting
0: which is why it was nice yeah. that it wasn't just a no. manifestation yeah, that exactly. it was actually that was a nice it differentiates this film from something like Before I Wake
1: well in Before I Wake that happened too because the kid had a power to do that it wasn't completely metaphorical because because remember the step or the foster dad right. dies yes, yes, yes. You're, straight up dies yes you've seen this a few more times than me yes, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm recalling it now so uh, like he, the dude was physically there it's like they never found my wedding ring and that one little detail is what moves her forward like she keeps researching it, she finds out like does like all this research finds all these like collective or these incidents that seem to have the the same sort of well it gets it gets thrust yeah. upon her because yeah. the one headline that she finally notices right, about this crypt yeah. keeper and then it all just unfolds.
0: In just front in front unfolds
1: of her. like what could that have yeah. been what happened to me?
0: I think what like I really want to go back to the novel um and discover about this film is just how much like what what they we're able to take directly from it because just the fact that so many studios kept saying, this is an unfilmable movie. I mean, it seems so filmable when you watch it like this. So I'm really curious to see how all these things are represented in the book and why they thought it was such a barrier. And then also be able to fully appreciate how well this was written as a screenplay.
1: Yeah. I wonder I'm reading it right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, not that I have a huge, like now a huge insight on Stephen King, but, um, I wonder if like, most of it that i've read so far if most of the um, exploration of character and thought just happens inside the character's head and stephen king does that infinitely he'll he'll project somebody's death he'll say it right at the beginning of a chapter you know this was the night that georgie died right and then all of the stuff you know pages and pages later it actually happens kind of thing um so it, it sort of takes place in a space where he'll narrate things that if you're watching the or watching the story visually, there's no way to see that unless you're like looking at the character's face or it's narrated out loud, yeah, right. So I wonder if um Gerald's game largely takes place in her head i her imagine running. I imagine that that's that, exactly why it was, because
0: sure. she's just chained to that chained to that bed, sure, and thinking and, about everything
1: and then you know Jeff Howard Mike Flanagan found a way to, yeah to present that via these manifested yeah yeah. i'm curious in particular about those flashbacks and how how those kind Mm -hmm. of go through
0: in like on the written novel
1: yeah that might have been the most disturbing part in the whole movie was that scene on the bed where he was explaining yeah i'd say
0: there are two most disturbing parts and one of them is yeah the all the whole eclipse and dealing with the father on the bench and in the bedroom start to top to bottom i mean like the the whole discussion was just horrifying to watch when he's He's just using reverse psychology. That manipulation was that predator horrible. behavior, like inside.
1: Yeah. Just the, the psychology of a predator and the tricks that yeah. they will use to convince her, a child. Him saying it to we keep sh- quiet. We should just tell her now. Now or never kind of thing. Just like, take it. I know. It's uh, so disturbing. Yeah. So, I mean, all that shit was so hard to watch. But then also,
0: cutting her hand. And sliding mm-hmm. the skin off, coming out of the handcuff, that was real fun. Yeah. Cringe. You get
1: both like elements of cringing Two very in this movie. different kinds of cringe. One in the deepest, darkest part of your soul, and then one on the top, uh, the S- end of surface your arm, skin level. Yeah, yeah. God, that was so horrific. And the way that her like muscles and skin peeled back as know, she was sliding it out, man, you were like dancing in your seat. Yeah, I mean, it's not. A, it wasn't as traumatic
0: as, <laughs> and probably much easier to watch for us after doing Martyrs last week. That Martyrs was a good
1: you know, prevented this movie from, we got, and we day. got a lot
0: of skin in, in there. And this, this still was, ins- insanely effective mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Two very different beasts. But for the biggest gore moment, I mean, that was very hard to keep watching. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was, that was a bad one super painful but she she fucking did it she just went for it when she like embedded the glass into the wood yeah. when panel she,
1: she did that i was like wait wood shelf no i didn't see that the, the i didn't <sighs> see there's a
0: real way and the way that she did it too
1: like just kept so, doing and she didn't stop she and then she ran it up her hand too to like yeah. get some extra lubrication well yeah she cut well she cut it in such a way that the muscles would wouldn't be attached because of the skin yep so that yeah, she did just, god that was nasty uh-huh but oh, so, so exciting, so exciting to be like, yes, you're doing it. You're doing it. You did it. You got out. Really? Yeah. You, you just got out. I know there's like 20 more minutes of movie. That's weird. Yeah. Something bad's going to happen. And she sees the thing down the hall. I'm like, fuck, here it is.
0: What is that thing? I noticed this is a common thing that they tend to do too. And this might be like more of a post-production thing. But whenever they show like a creepy baddie in the corner so or a manifestation or whatever, mm-hmm. instead, like it's not, it's never a jump scare. It's always just like the audio kind of drops out and you get this like super subbed low treble bass beat. Kind of cool. going like, Oh. yeah not okay, even that growly just
2: yeah.
0: like a, just kind of like a beat but it's like it's like if 20 blankets were thrown over a bass drum and then the <laughs> reverb was cranked up just like this little weird little subtle sound that
1: just feels like it's coming from like underneath you or something like that yeah, it's a signaling sound for the yeah and they love doing that yeah. that's something that every time a baddie showed up and then it's know. and then it's at the end of the room or the end of the hall like that's what they like to
0: yeah do it's the in the distance never like right in front it's yeah. always just something so your eyes are looking at first be like where is it what is that it
1: what is that an outline of a person yeah Yeah, Uh, yeah. As soon as that last scene at the end of the hall, it was standing there theoretically. Mm -hmm. I had to like sit up, and I was like looking as close as I could at the screen. Yeah, and it just wasn't moving. That wasn't the point.
0: Yeah. So the one thing that was kind of a true manifestation of a monster was that weird ass little demony thing that was licking her toes at one point. That was was in the car holding her back.
1: Terrific. Yeah. That thing looked great. It kind of reminded me of the Insidious Darth Maul dude. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. It had that same sort of feel. It's just like licking her feet at one moment. Uh,
0: but great. I loved it.
1: That was great. Yeah, it was. Uh-huh. And it turned out to be the dog. And creepy dog.
2: Mm-hmm. Very creepy yeah, dog. Yeah, like
1: kind of blood red eyes. Yeah. Right? Just, just like constantly looking like de- a desperate looking dog is a scary animal. Yeah. You know? But I actually, like I felt
0: sympathy for the dog. Like I felt bad for the dog just as I did for her. And she kind of makes that connection or moment of solidarity Mm. with her when she says the dog or one of her manifestations says the dog is just doing what you're doing. Like the dog or the dog is doing what you need to do. It's doing what it has to do to survive. It's figuring out how to get by. This dog is just like a feral animal, just trying to survive in the wilderness and is getting by any means they can.
1: And it wasn't, it was crazy because they also, they use that metaphor though also for like just doing what men do. You know, they see blood, like it, that metaphor was used, right. for different... it was used very aggressively too. Oh, but man. for the most part, the dog like was just kind of like once it had like chunks of flesh of Yeah. The dog, Gerald the dog changed like the situation because you know, if you let your guard down, if you just sit there and wait for help, the dog's going to get you, it can tell you're getting weaker and weaker. Yeah. That put another sort of, or that's what, it. that's
0: what she said in her head to herself over and over again. Yeah. That, like this dog's coming for you. You can't, yeah, but I the just... dog only really was aggressive towards her when she kicked it. That was when the dog bit. Yeah. yeah. Um
1: and, and she woke up with her bloody hand and the dog was biting it. Yeah. Was, I know I
0: thought that was gonna be way worse than it was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the dog was a real scavenger. It wasn't it wasn't a lion, mm-hmm. it was a dog. Yeah. And that was that was pretty terrifying and great. Like, just a great inclusion. This is this must be just such a great fucking Stephen King story because there's so few variables. Yeah. It's all mental. You know? It's all like the ones that she creates in her head, plus there's a dog, there's a dead, heart attacked husband, and there is a weird, crazy man. <laughs> technically there is. that's the
0: craziest part about this movie too. it's just like oh yeah
1: and that creepy monster dude in the corner it wasn't
0: like a a uh stand-in for death or something that's supposed to be a metaphor of death it was just this creepy dude who like robs graves and just happened to be like out in cottage country
1: and is like killing people and cutting off parts and like fucking corpses like it's he's a terrible monster does he say to her in the court you're real she he says what she said to him in the in the house when she was running out in the final sequence and drops her ring. Yeah. You're not real. You're made of moonlight. That's what he turns and says to her. Back to her. Very you're nice. You're not real. You're made of moonlight.
0: And then she goes... You're you, just moonlight or whatever. No, I remember you... Or you're smaller yeah, than I remember. You're smaller than I remember. Just going yeah. like... Which is great. That's like a... Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm bigger than my this. trauma. Yeah, I'm yeah, bigger yeah. than the shit that has happened to me.
1: Yeah. And she made like... It was really great in that she made like a place or a foundation for people who, who are going through that. And she tells her story to everyone to help yeah. them get through their oh, traumas. wonderful. Like great. Just show that little moment of her sitting down with someone else at the end. And like, yeah. now I do open up my story
0: because it can heal other people. When we open up our trauma and when we face it, we can help others heal as well.
1: Yes. And... um. Howard and Flanagan don't shy away from giving you a really, really happy ending at the end of these horror stories. Yeah. You know, because that's that is what this is. It's a complete resolution to all the, the things that have happened. Yeah. Not that she's over it, but that she's doing it in the right way and she's not yeah. hiding anything anymore. Um, and you see the full consequences of that it's not just yeah. like bad guy dead credits you know what
0: i mean Exa- yeah it's not exactly. like that which is a standard kind of horror movie thing like oh we yeah. got the baddie it's okay he's digging way deeper with his stories yes and he wants to show what a true resolution is and looks like mm-hmm. and
1: it's so satisfying it is it's it's it feels real you know it's a lot different yeah. than your run-of-the-mill horror movie
0: and i mean i feel like carla guagino Ju- Gugino, how do you say that her last name i don't know actually okay I feel like she deserves like an Academy Award nomination she for this movie this. because that was an insane performance.
1: What was the little um she had like oh yeah, it was the um Um Hush a little baby, don't say a word. That's when she like fully like lost her mind. Yeah. She had like moments where she was like emaciated, like I feel like grime Grimer blood on her. Her hair's all messed up. She's just, like, still, like, trapped in that little slip. And she's just, like, lost her mind. She's just tweaked past the point. Yeah. She's singing, like, hush, little baby, don't say a word. And connecting it to her real-life, you know, situation at that moment. And her dad like, keeps popping up there in the room with her. Like, yeah. I'm oh, like, my God. You are you full-on snapped. And then she comes back from that mm-hmm. moment, you know, in another Situations and just even like the physical task of being in those cuffs for the entire shoot. I love that they like when she woke up, she was in like tremendous or tre- tremendous, mm. immense, tremendous
0: hand pain. You're getting a little too excited with like compressing <laughs> the word,
1: yeah, from that social traumatary success. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I can do it with any <laughs> two words. Wants, you're like,
0: okay, <laughs> specifically tr words. <laughs> no, yeah, it was great. Like the morning after, and yeah. her hands are bruised and fucked up, and, and she's just, like screaming. Her legs pain. are cramped. Like, yeah. Thank but. you. Realism
1: about what physically it would be like the next morning. And then her internal monologue gives us a monologue about what's happening. Yeah. You know, but it's manifested. So it's just such a clever way to deliver like what otherwise would have just been exposition that annoyed me. Yeah. You know, your hands probably hurt like if the, the torturer... When she woke up and started screaming, it's like your hands probably hurt from sleeping on them all night. It yeah. was her own logic telling her why she was screaming in pain.
0: Yeah, and the manifested good side of her brain was just like pedal your legs. You need to get blood circulation going. Yeah. I love that. I loved like the that's, coach version of her that was like walking her through. That's basi- how to survive.
1: Yeah, that's basically the hush like internal commentary. Is this like calm yourself down? Yeah, this is what you have to do. Like that's, no. a, that's their take. It seems like their take on like internally, this is how the logical side. They is like playing,
0: a, they like playing with, okay, how can we represent this in like a cool, fun way yeah. where they, it will be external to like actually what's physically happening.
1: Yeah. And just show the juxtaposition of somebody freaking out in the flesh, but working it out mentally, you know, like that's yeah. cool to see those two characters who represent the same person, one logical telling them what's going on. The other person's screaming and writhing. Yeah but it's one person dealing with both things at the same time. That's awesome. I really, really love seeing that. It is wonderful. But you know, um, it was, there was a. I uh, I found it unscary for a, a lot of the buildup. It was, I found it. Pretty, oh yeah. I mean like, that's why I said
0: earlier that there are a few elements that definitely move it into something you have to consider horror. Like that gore, That you see there, and just the kind of creepy dudes lingering Mm -hmm. around. But just like before I wake, it just feels so much more like a strong, amazing, dramatic film that's serving a social commentary that is peppered in with these nice little horror elements. A terrifying Um, drama. Yeah, I almost like I love like I I love these movies so much, but I lament that more people won't see them because of those horror elements. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like it's it's such a great way to evoke like some genuine emotion even though it comes from a place of like fear mm-hmm. it makes your heart pound a little bit when you see like somebody handcuffed to a bed and then something creepy approaching yeah that's just it evokes emotion one way or the other it's and, just terrifying and
0: these these real things these things that are often just represented in film in just strictly pure drama they they have horrific elements to them. Cancer mm-hmm. has terrifying, horrific elements to it. Yeah. This childhood abuse and ongoing trauma, it's horrifying. It's yeah. horrifying. So I feel like these kind of movies do more justice to like accurately capturing and representing mm-hmm. trauma what the experience of
1: these this is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Trauma isn't something that's just sad on its own. It's got a real jarring, abrupt, mm-hmm. like you said, terrifying aspect to it. Sure, you can have like a Howard Shore
0: score yeah. swelling and someone's like just flailing in a bed while other people try to calm them. Yeah. No, or you can no, show no yeah
1: or you can show what it's like inside that head and yeah. what it is like to experience that trauma yeah if you're in a fire it's scary you're gonna have scary memories of it scary flashbacks yeah. you know? <laughs> like vietnam flashbacks as far as i understand aren't sad they're terrifying
0: especially when you go to vietnam and die and then just live this whole existence <laughs> right before you
1: transcend we haven't talked about jacob's, jacob's ladder, ladder. <laughs> oh well i mean it's it's one of those um those movies that its name makes it into several episodes even if we don't talk about it too much so i mean if it's not the best movie in the world it really did stick with us just because we keep bringing it back up we do yeah oh yeah i don't i feel like we don't bring it up that often not in like long conversations but we've talked about it probably three or four episodes okay yeah (laughs) yeah just briefly but um,
0: I I love the set I mm-hmm. like I love that and I was thinking too about how when like a lot of the conversations especially at the beginning were shot kind of behind the bed like you have her head in frame and then you have a shot of gerald Uh, kind of looking down at her so i'm like what did they take the back panel of the wall off and then like have the camera there and then shoot all those scenes
1: that way yeah that's it or did they slide the bed away from the wall mike jeff (laughs) anyone (laughs) let us
0: know please send us a message we're so curious about those back shots and the oculus mirror thing i found out from mike Flanagan himself he posted it on facebook he said fans of oculus should look closely at the headboard to the bed and yeah. it's that must like it's just, I think it's the exact same design as the top of the mirror in Oculus. Which is just such a nice, awesome fucking way for Great. a director to like just like tie yeah. his movies together.
1: Tie them together without the um geez the Like
0: just the set design. Tie the set design together in a weird way.
1: Yeah, that's like another Flanagan feeling movie. Sure, but also without the like the pretentiousness of turning everything that you make into a universe.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not spoon feeding it. Yeah. You're not like, oh, by the way, the materials of that mirror, when they smash it at the end in Oculus, they turned it into a bed and this character bought
1: that bed. Like, that would be yeah. a, the
0: universe logic. I this mean, is just a slight aesthetic nod yes. to the fact that it's like the same people who are making both movies. Yeah,
1: and that's awesome. That's really that's, cool. That's yeah. like knowing that the, it's the same goat and it comes at night and the witch. The, these are just fun yeah. little Easter eggs. Yes. That... And I mean, we did talk about making a 21. A 20- 21 or 24 a 24 like universe based on that goat oh yeah notwithstanding in this conversation but i want a black philip
0: origin story (laughs) where it's just a bunch of goats living together (laughs) i refer and they're bleeding at each other (laughs) (laughs) with subtitles i referred to the witch today as black (laughs) philip the black philip the black philip black philip the movie i think you called it (laughs) but i meant i want i want black philip colon the movie a movie
1: titled that Black Phillip, the movie.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Thunder crash. <laughs> I'm into it. I
0: wonder what that goat's up to now. If it's done. If it's gotten other
1: gigs or... I wonder if it's just getting milked. And... No. I don't know. It's
0: not getting milked. Black Phillip's totally a dude. Are you sure? Yeah. That's one misogynistic ass goat.
1: <laughs> it can be a misogynistic <laughs> woman. Goat. That's true. So... It seems Have super. It
0: seems super insanely aggressive. I don't know a lot about goats.
1: <laughs> it's bringing me back to um, one other time in our lives. We watched Friday the Thirteenth, and there was a moment in that movie where she looks at the dog. He's like, "Hey, girl. I mean, boy." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, how do we not talk about that? That's a it's a weird ass line. Was that in the script
0: or? <laughs> <laughs> I hope that wasn't. I hope it was like she was supposed to say, yeah. "Hey, boy." Yeah. Hey, boy. And said, girl and, like, instead. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. That would. Be... That would be a fun yeah. w- way to excuse it. Hey, girl looks at penis. <laughs> boy hey girl
2: <laughs> i mean, boy <laughs> flip hair god damn it
1: <laughs> I had to go back for that <laughs> this dog was <laughs> more on the dog please <laughs> more on the dog um, The well I mean this German shepherd this dog got $200 worth of Kobe beef to start and then like ate the guy who bought it like I mean that's insult to injury I mean it's crazy <laughs> I mean you you know pets
0: you work at a pet store Dave mm-hmm. if a dog ate that much kobe beef Mm -hmm. beef from kobe sure um would the dog still be hungry enough and interested in coming in merely like hours later and just going to town on devouring
1: this human there is technically speaking if we want to talk about this there is a stage of hunger where the body's eating itself where you probably won't be satiated for a long long time so it's possible yep but even, like, if I think of my own hunger and the only- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and have dogs- you ever been, like, in, like eating possums off the road because you're so hungry?
0: <laughs> I haven't gotten to that level. But doing things like 30-hour famine, this weird kind of Christian-y thing you do oh, when I you're did, younger... I did it. Yeah, when you're done that, you can't eat a lot. So even if this now- dog was
1: starved and didn't have a lot to eat just to think it was capable of eating that. Like this dog was just eating nonstop the whole movie. Well, one thing that's different between a human and a carnivore is that a carnivore is going to have a much more acidic um, body chemistry to break down because they're just breaking down meat. They're not including like high fiber and carbohydrates. But not eating for a long time
0: will still have an effect on that.
1: Well, I'm I'm asking you intense stomach biology questions here. Sure. I think that um, the concentration of acid um, and acidity in a dog's body will go up only as they're, as their systems fail and they don't get food. yeah. So, so then
0: when they do find food, they're able to
1: eat a lot more than a human would if they had been hungry for a long period of time. Yeah, and a dog will eat and until it can't anymore and bloat and it'll throw up and it'll just start eating Ugh. again. Like, yeah, that's what I expected. I expected yeah. this dog,
0: just from instances of... When I did have a dog growing up, mm-hmm. if that dog got into the food or something
1: like that, the dog would eat nonstop, but then it would puke everywhere. Sure, <laughs> yeah. yeah, But also, your dog was probably eating kibble, right? And kibble is dry, so if it yeah. fills with the the juices in the stomach, i it, was thinking it's more like expand. if we
0: like if it got into some food that we left on the oh, table same, or something same like that and
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right, but it's totally possible that a dog would just eat, and eat, and eat, and eat, especially if they All were right. used to the life of not having food. So yeah. awesome, cleared
0: it up. But yeah, his, <laughs> from an expert, it did have like a,
1: it did have like a
0: real creepy essence that dog, just because it was kind yeah. of like a little shaggy and rough. She said it looked starving. I don't, I didn't think it looked like I've seen some hungry looking dogs, and that dog didn't yeah. look like bone thin or anything. No,
1: it, it had a pretty big coat, so it's hard to say, but it definitely looked desperate. Yeah, and just the color of its eyes, just I thought were really yeah. effective at making it more creepy. I tried to do the dog's face <laughs> scary, just turned into Pennywise. Like I had nothing there for it.
0: Oh, so you were just physically trying to manifest the Pennywise dog? I don't know what I was Does Pennywise have like those buck teeth too? You? Your lip is tucking right behind the.
1: Well, he yeah, Let's, he has You should teeth. snap that. Put it on the. I twillent. I twill not. <laughs> that uh, was just for me, scaredy cat. Sorry, was just for you. Um, <laughs> I a uh, beautiful little cabin house there. That's a house. That's a fully winterized. It's a straight up house. But these people are very wealthy. Yeah, they are. Well-to-do lawyer, lawyer cash, and uh, two hundred dollar cuts of beef. He had four of them. Oh eight hundred dollars worth of just single steaks for the weekend for the weekend we're <laughs> stocked and he had like i looked in that fridge and i wanted to just make fun of them because he had like a cake in like a glass like, oh covered, God. like who fucking does it it's still no in the one. box from the grocery store no like, one why? no one buy,
0: especially yeah. at that income level you're not buying those kinds of cakes from grocery stores no no. no way
1: but even if you went to a fucking bakery it's going to be in that box it's not going to be he didn't take it out and put it in a nice presentation container and put that in the fridge like that, that i don't know there was some moments where it was like a little too decadent a little larger than life
0: so we're 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 a little conflicted on the set design. There are things we're really (laughs) appreciating, but there are some things that we're like, what's happening? Also, I mean, that fridge was just so clean, like just gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. But they do have maids.
1: You know, like thinking about it this right now, like you bringing that up, it really, really um, brings up the question of why he wasn't like fat and on his way out. Because a guy with that much money and that much attention to detail. Oh my God, you're totally right. Who's no dude that chiseled. Like he has zero body fat. Like He's got 1.5%
0: BMI. He's got an eight pack and he (laughs) doesn't... doesn't have like a guy with a, that kind of an APAC. doesn't yeah. have a bullshit grocery store cake in the fridge to chow down on all weekend
1: yeah definitely not and he doesn't just eat fucking cuts of red meat i i buy the red <laughs> meat a little bit if you
0: think of he's like a real beef head he's working out and then he's like i just like to just like bench as much as i can and then just eat just a slab of kobe beef
1: yeah, he doesn't have like bodybuilder arms he's got low bmi that yeah. means like low fat and like Great I job, Bruce that,
0: Greenwood. You're really keeping that body tight. Like,
1: yeah, he's great. Awesome. I mean, you're no Stallone, but um interestingly, um Stephen King recommended him
0: for the part. Really? So, if He was so good. If he was amazing. His performance was great. But if we have to offset if we have to blame kind of anyone, I think we are we have to offset it from Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard a little bit because if you have someone like Stephen Stephen King, King. the author of this, recommending a certain actor, you're just going to be like, okay. Both, yeah, writing a
1: a fat guy who's about to have a heart attack. We'll make it work. A frumpy guy who's going to have a heart attack, and then suggesting you hire a chiseled guy who's (laughs) 1.5% body fat. Like, Like, sure, mm, whatever. Yeah. We'll let the viewers figure it out. Maybe he had a heart condition that we didn't
0: put forward, but the Viagra
1: helps the Ragger will fuck with your heart like or with your blood flow and shit. Yeah. So it makes sense that that's like an inciting incident. And I'm sure Stephen King paid attention to that too. Mm-hmm. And like calling him a, a lawyer. Yeah. That, that paints him to me. He's got scotch in his hand a lot of the time, you know, wait, he does. Yes. He no, I, head? that, that makes oh, I see. me see you're, that. You're projecting yeah. this image of a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. I, I can see him doing that. I can see him having a heart attack. Like that's so sudden. Mm-hmm. Like I wish like she dropped some like heavier knowledge or something on him. Right. To make him have that heart attack. But, I mean, that's only only based on the fact that he wasn't a right. physically heart attacky looking man. I like that we get um
0: the same actors and actresses that Mike Flanagan likes working with. He keeps bringing them back. First of all, so it's why Kate Siegel had like mm-hmm. just a quick little moment. Or a couple scenes, actually. The dinner scene and the yeah. afternoon. Yeah, She's she very present. And the dad himself. Like, one of the most horrifying things to have to act. I can't even imagine. Like, both of those scenes.
1: on the swing and then in the bedroom like that's a
0: lot to ask from an actor to be willing to step up and do that
1: Um, yeah and like really commit to it and try really hard yeah just to be a total total fucking total creep yeah Um, because he's horrible and like one of the most manipulative things I've ever seen on screen
0: yeah no absolutely I've never seen a predator represented that kind of way like a a way that you're showing the logic that a predator uses to such an insanely deceptive account yeah to like make it basically incept
1: the idea of being quiet in the child i struggled i struggled in those moments because i've never seen like you said a predator portrayed in that way and it was yeah. horrible horrible and now
0: this he clearly had a great time i mean it's the it clearly just worked out so well this performance from the lead but she is also now the lead of his haunting on hill haunting on hill house series that's coming to netflix uh, they're mm-hmm. filming now so probably next year he is yeah well, uh, you heard about this no they so do you know the movie The Haunting? Yes, with katherine Zeta-Jones, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, yes, 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 and, yes. So that's like based on an old, old Shirley Jackson novel called The Haunting on Hill House. It was a Victor Price movie in the forties
1: or something like that. I think that. I've even seen that. Okay, I've seen a good amount of Victor Price. Yeah,
0: it's like if I recall correctly, it's like a wealthy dude is like, I'll give you like a million dollars to come stay-, stay. No, no,
1: is that right? That might be House
0: on Haunted Hill. I'm getting like a We're few into some murky waters. We are, but regar- regardless, regardless, yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> not that one, <laughs> but regardless, it's uh, the late, he got greenlit by Netflix to do the latest ab- adaptation of that. And mm-hmm. it's going to star, um, this lead actress, and it's also going to be a ten-part miniseries, not a movie. Whoa. So we're getting like ten hours of Flanagan doing like a horror thing. Awesome! We're bingeing it. We're yeah, going to. We just, talked about that. Yeah, we, yeah, we have talked awesome. about this, but what better time to bring it up again? I'm sure it must be so annoying if you listen back to all our Mike Flanagan episodes because we're probably <laughs> just bringing up the same shit over and over again. But it's exciting for us because we haven't talked about it. Yeah. They're like months between we do these episodes. Exactly. So we keep reminding ourselves of
1: future projects, how excited we are for them. Yeah. It's basically driving back by Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: An update on the... Because I think on either Ouija or um, Before I Wake, I talked about how they also wrote a screenplay for a reboot of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm -hmm. They're not directing that. So they wrote it and they sold it to a studio and the studio has it. So they might... They might produce it or whatever, but for now, they are not... Mike Flanagan is not
1: directing it. But as far as we know, that that's like a Ben Howard writing situation. Jeff Howard. Yeah. Jeff Howard, sorry. Jeff Howard and Mike Flanagan together. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Howard, like... I really almost want to keep saying his name first because, like... Well, I think they both are credited with the writing and all of these things. Yeah, and you figure if there are two people credited with writing and one of those people is also directing and editing the movie, Mm -hmm. you feel like maybe the... Like, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But, like, maybe the writing falls more on... Like, why have Jeff Howard around if... You know, Mike Flanagan's going to be writing half or more of the thing anyway. Yeah. Seems like he can handle it. it I don't seems know, like be... Jeff Howard must be doing a huge amount of work, or like have a huge, huge amount of heart in these movies because he keeps coming back for them. You know, he keeps mm-hmm. getting that writing credit even though Mike Flanagan's doing all this other work. I feel like he's got to like that that's... dude is the guy who's speaking to us. Well, yeah, that's that's
0: a reasonable deduction to make, but I mean, we who knows? Who knows? They could be totally yeah, just in course. there all the way together. So, I mean, that would definitely be something I'd want to like hear yeah. from them about. I'd love to that see would... an interview where. And maybe they have in some interview, but I haven't heard it.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. Well, we can figure that out, I suppose. But like, I I like supposing wildly about things. I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
0: go to uh, Flanagan only edition of Instagram
1: comments. Instagram comments. Flanstagram comments. Flanstagram cram amps. (laughs) All right. So on our Before I Wake
0: episode, Joris underscore roller steady said,
1: very cute. It is a pretty cute movie. He's a pretty cute kid. Yeah. And introducing Jacob Trombley. Introducing Jacob Trombley, which we talked about. Yeah, we talked about how it came out after Room. Yeah. And (laughs) introducing
0: Oscar nominee Jacob (laughs)
2: Trombley.
1: In a relatively tame role, comparatively. (laughs) Okay, so we also have a comment here from Velfornia13 on our Before I Wake post. I've been dying to own this movie. Not only see, but own. Own. That 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 speaks to how I feel about the movie. I want that to be mine in my house so that I can point to people. Look at it. I know it. It's there. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the only place you can get it is Canada. I think Canada is <laughs>
0: still the only one who has... Um, much to the creator's chagrin, um, has it on Netflix. You can watch it here in Canadian Netflix. <laughs> That's like a first. It's crazy <laughs> that it's not American Netflix. What exclusives? Yeah, I know. <laughs> just for some reason, the legality and the distribution deals—they're releasing this movie. I so wonder.
1: I wonder if we have like a huge amount of American listeners who are just like what I can't get that movie. I wonder.
0: Well, I mean, our listener, I think our listenership is right now mostly American. Yeah. So, yeah, most the few, there are a solid chunk that are Canadian. So, yeah, you guys can watch Before I Wake. And the American torrents. ones, um, yeah, torrent it yeah. Uh, or don't torrent it and um order (laughs) from order from amazon.ca because there is a blue release blu-ray release as well in Uh. canada so you can (laughs) own a physical copy of this movie but it's from whatever canadian distribution that put out the blu-ray and not available
1: elsewhere so i think you have to order online from a canadian store that that feels really good as a canadian (laughs) it feels good to have like that movie in my clutches
0: it feels way worse
1: to me because i know
0: mike flanagan is so particularly proud of that movie before gerald's game he said that was the one he was most proud of and now he says this is the one he's most proud of Mm. but obviously he loves both of them we love both of them but he he really is disappointed with how the rollout has been or the lack of rollout and the fact that it was semi-rolled out in some areas of the world and not the others
1: you have to expect that as a as a filmmaker, that's part of the risk and the gamble, uh, yeah. right? Oh, I, yeah, I guess you don't expect it or hope for it when
0: you s- sign a deal with a company that yeah. is going to go bankrupt six months later. It's, you don't, you don't hope that
1: they go bankrupt. But. Of course not. I mean, like, what if it was like some French company that like offered the most money and only like released it in France? Yeah, yeah I couldn't. Well, why would it? But that could happen.
0: It's disappointing, but it's clearly hasn't been a hindrance to his career, and he's able to keep making no. incredible movies. And I think that's where the happy ending of. All of this weird distribution thing for Before I Wake comes
1: from. Yeah, and Before I Wake then now gets to benefit from like a very long tail. You know, like as a comet, it's got really long. It's got a history and a story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People are going to be able to find it via you know whatever Mm -hmm. your internet means of finding things. And when your first one fails, you'll go to your next one. Yeah, and horror
0: nerds like us will give way too much information to people who are like, (laughs) look, I just, just, I just asked for what it's about. Okay, you didn't need to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Before I Wake. Let me tell you the whole history of distribution issues with that movie.
1: It's fascinating. Yeah, let's do an episode on it. And then basically bring it up okay. <laughs> in another episode and just talk the fuck down about it. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre. I am David Stoneborough. I am Chris Vandenberg. <laughs> and as always, chaos reigns, chaos
2: reigns,
1: chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Another social traumatary. Chaos reigns.
2: Woo!